lesson today is uh, times and seasons, but if you've studied it already, you know that uh, mainly it deals with things pertaining to the second coming of the Lord. Some misunderstandings and misconceptions that uh, uh, have gone on through the years about that. And that's nothing new to all of us because through the years we've read newspaper articles and we've heard TV reports and all of this that, you know, at such and such a date and time the Lord is going to appear. Uh, I guess uh, back when we turned the year 2000, you remember all of the big hoopla we had about computers were going to crash, they weren't going to roll over and all of this stuff, and in the midst of all of that, there were those saying, well, this is the, this has just got to be the year that the Lord returns. But if you go back in history and study in the year 1000, they said basically the same thing. <laughs> and a thousand years has gone by, and here it is. Now, 21 years past the 2000 mark, and uh, the earth's still standing. The Lord hadn't come yet. Now, that don't mean we need to get lax in our beliefs and in our living, because it is an event that is going to happen. Last week, we read these, as you see here in your introduction, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now that's kind of just describing what's going to happen on that day, some of the events. Matthew says in his Bible, he has it marked, the, the uh, loudest, uh, noisiest day of the, ever. Uh, it's not going to be a secret when the Lord comes back. It'll be known. But when is another story. Uh, notice the writing here in your introduction from Matthew 25, 31 to 34. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, you know... The guessing game had already started in the book of, or in the uh, church at Thessalonica about when all of this was going to happen. Hebrews 9, 28, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 teaches us that the Lord is going to come a second time for what purpose? Judgment, right? Judgment and the gathering unto him of his faithful. That is, the faithful who are still what? Living. Yeah. Now the dead in Christ will do what? Rise first. Yeah. And 
in the process of coming to get those that are living, the dead will what? They'll be with Christ at his coming. In other words, their resurrection will occur and then the gathering of the living together and then he takes us home to glory, right? That's what the scriptures teach us on that. Now, we, we've, uh, you know, we've had all kinds of people who've tried to calculate the days, uh, the day that the Lord's going to come. Several years ago, well, I guess at the turn of the century, when the newspapers came out, they had articles about all of these people who, you know, they took the numbers in the book of Revelation and they took the numbers in Ezekiel and they took that prophetical uh, prophecies that were found in the book of Daniel and, and maybe other places and they, you know, jiggled their numbers and did all of this sort of thing and they came up, well, on May 30th, 2000, whatever, Jesus is going to be here. So do what? Get ready, right? Well, obviously, from what we've already read, but of that day and hour, no, no one, not even the angels in heaven, but only the Father knows the time of the coming. So I guess we could safely say we don't need to worry about the day of Jesus coming, do we? That's right. Just be ready. That's, that's the sole purpose, really, I guess, of this lesson today. Uh, and I, that'll be pointed out to you, I think, over here a little bit uh, later on in, in, uh, in our lesson. Uh, we know it's going to happen we do not know the time it's going to happen. Therefore, be ready. Live in a state of readiness for the time when the Lord will come again. So a lot of speculation. But speculation is just speculation. It's not biblical truth. Some speculation may be based on Thoughts such as given to us in the scriptures here, but yet we cannot definitely say the Lord will be here on X day. The Bible doesn't say, and neither can we say. Now there's a, a term mentioned in some of your reading here, uh, eschatology. That's uh, a big thing, you know. Actually, the word means the study of last things. But there's a lot of people probably that can't recite to you the first four books of the New Testament, but yet they crawl all over that eschatology. And, and they use, like we said, the Revelation and other uh, books of the Bible like Ezekiel in the Old Testament and try to make those uh, prophecies in those books fit what they think. Now, you know, they explore the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, they talk about that. Uh, they talk about things that's going to happen when the rapture comes. Uh, 
Uh, and they talk about a lot of subjects that the Bible really don't mention. The word rapture, I don't think, is found in the Bible, is it? No, it's not. But you see, that's exactly what men try to do. Uh, and again, when, when you talk about all of these things of the second coming of Jesus, uh, get right down to it. It's a fact he's coming. But the when of it, we just don't have any idea. The main thing is to be prepared for it. Now, in your uh, introduction there, you're given the scripture of Matthew 25. In Matthew chapter 25, the opening part of that chapter is what we call the parable of what? Yeah, the ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And the wise, they took their lamps and what else did they do? They took extra oil just in case it was needed, right? Uh, some of you guys are campers, and I suspect you take a lantern with you probably, and Coleman fuel. Well, you make sure you got plenty of oil probably when you go. Plenty of fuel? Well, <laughs> you may not use a lantern. Maybe you got uh, a fire. But you want to make sure you got plenty of what? Wood. If you don't have the wood, you don't have the fire, do you? Unless you set the whole forest on fire. <laughs> Some people do that. But you take care. In other words, whatever we do, wherever we go, we make preparations for that event or that trip. If I've got a trip planned somewhere that's going to involve driving several miles, I've got usually my way to go mapped out and make sure that I've got uh, my gas card uh, and a little extra money that I might need for emergency that pop up on that trip. In other words, we prepare for that, don't we? And that's what the wise virgins did. They took extra oil. Well, the foolish virgins didn't do that. Sometimes the bridegroom was delayed. They had to wait. And the longer you wait, what happens? In their case, the more oil you burn, right? So what happened to their lamps? They went out. They went out. And they didn't have any extra. So, because they didn't have the extra, they asked the wise for some, but the wise said what? We've only got enough to last for ourselves. You go buy more. And so when they went to buy more, what happened? The bridegroom came and the door was shut, right? So we have five that were prepared and we have five that were not prepared. Now, the moral of that story is found in verse 13 of Matthew 25 given to you here in the introductory part of your lesson today. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So it fits well into the lesson that we're studying here today. Chapter 5, verse 6, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, 
but let us watch and be sober. And that next uh, sentence there is the point I was talking about earlier. The point is simple. We anticipate the Lord's return by living according to his plan. Now, you know, the information that Paul gives us here is really information given for the purpose to inspire us to live godly lives. And if we live godly lives, it don't matter when the Lord comes back, does it? Because we'll be like the wise virgins, we'll be prepared for that time when that event occurs. The uh, first part of the lesson uh, today is uh, entitled The Day of the Lord. And we know that uh, the day of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, when it occurs, will be the end of time as you and I know it. Uh, there won't be time that will be measured by any calendar, days, months, and years. But it'll be a time that we simply refer to as what? Eternal. Everlasting. Now sometimes uh, in this life, uh, I do, I guess you do, I get the days mixed up. The times mixed up. In fact, I woke up Friday morning and I thought it was Saturday. I asked Linda if it wasn't Saturday today. And... Uh, I kind of I lose track of time. Well, we won't have to worry about losing track of time when the Lord returns and eternity starts. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people in this old world that are non-believers, and, and they argue that, you know, one of these days this... They don't think about the Lord at all. They just say one of these days there's some great catastrophe going to happen. This old world's going to be destroyed and that's going to be the end of it. There are a lot of people who believe that when a person dies, that's the end of it. Nothing left, you know, beyond that. But they're not students of the Lord, are they? They're not students of the Bible. We can't calculate the time of the coming. Non-believers, I guess we could say, really don't care. Or else they'd believe and do something about it. Believers hasten the day. They're anxious for uh, the Lord to return. But, as Christian people, we don't set the date, do we? It's not within our capabilities to do that. So Paul here, <clears throat> to help the believers understand the importance of the return of the Lord, he compares that event to what? A coming of a thief. Yeah. Coming of a thief. Uh... Jesus used that same figure in Matthew 24, 43. Uh, 
But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Luke 12 and 39, you'll find some similar information. And Peter talked about basically the same type of thing in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. It's a figure of speech that's used here. It points uh, to something where a comparison is possible to make. So the coming of the Lord is like the coming of a thief in the night. Now, the thief comes at a time that we don't expect him, right? Or it could be a herd. <laughs> right, Josh? You arrest men and women both, right? So we use man in general to indicate all humanity. But I don't think in this passage Paul is referring to the damage the thief might do, even though we might think about that. But he's referring to the element of surprise, I believe. We're, we're surprised when we're robbed, I guess. We're surprised that the thief came at a certain point in time. And anymore in our day and age, it don't have to be night necessarily. We live in a, we live in a very troubled time today. A lot of things going on that, that used to go on under the cover of darkness. But we, we think about the element of surprise. Uh, we can think about the damage the thief does. The devil tries to steal our souls, don't he? And they, there'd be greater amount of damage if our souls were stolen by the devil. Because if that were true, then we would not be prepared for the time of the coming of the Lord, would we? Uh, so we have to, be, have to be careful. If the owner knew when the man or the, the lady, whoever the thief is, was coming, he would be up and ready and waiting to do something about it to prevent it. The Lord wants us to be ready for that day whenever it comes. Now, Paul uses the phrase here in his writing, the day of the Lord. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance that he may avenge himself on his adversaries. That terminology was used in the Old Testament also from Jeremiah 46 and verse 10. Uh... But the day of the Lord was not always used as the day of judgment for God's enemies in the Old Testament. Amos 5 and 18 says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. 
But when we look at the use of the word, the day of the Lord in the New Testament, it is referring to the time when Jesus will vindicate his people and cast those away who have sinned against him. Now we might interject right here, the Lord's day and the day of the Lord is two completely different things. The Lord's day is an adjective that refers to the first day of the week, Sunday, as you and I know it here. But the day of the Lord is a day of judgment in which there will be no escaping. That's what verse 2 uh, of our text indicates, and that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 teaches us as well. The day of the Lord will come suddenly when the skeptical are saying peace and safety. And we're taught here in our, in our book today that the return of the Lord on the judgment day will be compared to the pains of labor for a woman who's expecting a child. All right, the next section of our lesson deals with darkness and light. Darkness and light. That's uh, from 1 Thessalonians four, uh, 5, verses 4 to 7. In all of these verses here, the return of the Lord is what Paul is emphasizing. And the idea, don't be surprised by the coming, just be ready for it. Just be prepared for it. And those that are obedient Christians, they don't live in fear of the coming of the Lord, right? We don't live in fear of the coming of the Lord. Uh, but we live in a state of happiness because we know if, if the Lord comes, what's going to happen? Better things, right? Better things are coming. So we don't live in fear as Christians. Now there is the fear of God, that is the respect that we need to have for God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son. And we need to respect the authority of the Scriptures. And we need to respect those faithful ones who have gone on uh, ahead of us. But we don't, we don't live in fear of what life's bringing tomorrow. Now, we may think about it and we may be concerned about what's going to happen to our children and grandchildren. You know, I think about the condition that our world is in today and, and all the things that are going on, all of the things politically that are going on, that a lot of it are pointing to, to the destruction of our country. When you take states 
that want to approve and have approved the aborting of a baby a week before it's supposed to be born, there's something wrong with the morals of our society. Uh, so we're living in a we're, we're living in a time that's you know we're concerned about what's going on. If you go back and read the history of the Roman Empire, one of the things that you'll see that caused that empire to fall, and it was a mighty empire. It conquered many, many nations. And the Caesars were powerful men. But yet it fell, and one of the main reasons was the immorality that characterized their society. You know, sexual immorality was a big part of that, of that society. A lot of other things. A lot of other things that are like darkness that Paul refers to here in our lesson today. Darkness in the scriptures often refers to sin, doesn't it? First, the sin. Evil deeds that are practiced are darkness. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should take, overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. Talking about Christians. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So darkness, as he mentions here in your reading, represents evil deeds or practices. Light represents righteousness. And Christians are those that live in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I believe that's 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. So we're encouraged as Christians really to have no fear of darkness because we're children of light. We're walking in the light. We're trying to follow uh, in the footsteps of uh, Jesus. So we are of those who are of the day, the last section of this lesson here today. And he says the Christian ought to be sober. Now what does that mean, sober? Yeah, clear mind. Uh, a mind that's focused on living in the day or living in the light. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. God has not appointed us to wrath or anger. The wrath of God is for unbelievers, for those who know only to look for the good times, who give really no thought to the lifting of burdens or helping somebody else or to the salvation that's available through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You know, whether a Christian dies before the Lord's return or is still alive for that great event when it happens, he or she lives together with God. We're talking about Christians now. And he gives the exhortation to the brethren here at Thessalonica to comfort one another, to edify one another, to build each other up in the faith. Uh, someone might say, well, Paul, you know, here is kind of uh, criticizing them, accusing them. No, he's not. He was well aware of the good influence they had, and we've talked about that several times in the previous lessons of this study. He was very proud of them for the growth that they'd had in Christ since their initial obedience to the gospel of Christ. He just wanted them not to forget. And Peter, when, when you read his books, if you'll uh, make a just kind of a, a mental note that how many times does he write in his books the word remember or remembering or memory? Several. The Bible, the writers of the Bible want us to remember that being in Christ is a joyful way to live. It's not a life of terror or dread or fear, but it's a life of joy and happiness because we don't have to worry about the day of the Lord's return all we have to do is live every day in a way to be ready when that date appears so we don't live in fear of the day of the Lord we live in joy looking for the day of the Lord the uh, admonitions or applications, rather, that's given to us at the very end of our book here today on page 82 and 83. Let me just uh, mention two things. In the first application, look at the bottom line. Rather than living for the moment, we must live for the eternity to come. To me, that's what we need to get out of that first application. The second application there... Christians must live differently from people of the world. And we all know that. Because Christians are of the day, we must not engage in the activities of the night or darkness. And we all know that. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we look and realize that the coming of the Lord is a fact. But we also realize that no one knows when that's going to be. And what we need to focus on is just living our lives each day to be ready for that time. Let's bow together. Father, thank you for the day you've given us and for all of the blessings that we receive from your hand. Thank you for the times that we're able to meet together and study your word. We pray, Father, as we study these lessons that we will concentrate upon the things that we need to look at, we need to think about, we need to meditate upon.
And may it lead us to live the kind of lives that helps to make us ready for the day of the Lord's coming. Ask you to forgive us of our sins and to bless everyone that needs our prayers today. And bless us as we worship in the hour to come that we may do so in a manner that would be acceptable to you and would be encouraging and uplifting to each one of us who are here today. These things, Father, we ask in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.